everybody, and welcome to the Money Made Easy podcast. Every week, we will catch up with all things money, honey. It's your hosts, Angelica and Tisha. We're coming to you anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can also follow along with us on Instagram at Money Made Easy Podcast and also on our website at MoneyMadeEasyPodcast.com. We'll be talking all things money, earning it, saving it, and investing it in the easiest way possible. Our goal is to educate, uplift, and empower you to feel confident in your financial decisions. Now, you may be asking yourselves, are you both money experts? (laughs) Heck no, not even close. We're far from it. We will be bringing on some of the best experts in the biz to set you up for success. Now, on to this week's show. Hey everyone, today on the podcast, we have Holly Williams, investment expert and author of Hidden Investing, What the Wealthiest 1% Know That We Don't, which is set to release any day now. We're so excited for this amazing book. Um, So let's welcome Holly to the show. Hi everybody, everybody, and thank you so much for having me today. Thank you for being here. I can't wait to find out the good, all the good secrets. Yes. (laughs) So why don't we start with your background and how you got involved? I mean, what sparked your interest in working in this world and yeah, start from there. So so I I spent most of my childhood in Houston Mm -hmm. and, you know, in a, in a place where everybody's father worked for an oil company. Right. And, and, you know, the typical suburban, um, thing and I had great a great family and they taught me all the the right things to do mm-hmm. put your money in a 401k live below, below your means buy a house as soon as you can all of the things that we are we are taught to do I went off to college um, did that majored in advertising got a job in Dallas with an ad agency, worked in Dallas for a few years. And one day I had an opportunity for a job in New York City in 1990, back in the day. And um, I was only supposed to go for a year and they were gonna move me back down to Dallas. And so everybody said, oh, go, it'll be a great experience. And so that was 30 years ago, or 29 <laughs> years ago. And I haven't, I haven't left and I, <laughs> Then about six years later, a man came into the picture and uh, he drug me across the bridge to Brooklyn. But, but you know, I, I did everything that I was taught to do, right? Mm-hmm. And I bought a Manhattan apartment, which was fine. All of it worked out fine, but cut to, you know, I was very fortunate and, and, and you know, cut to 20 years later, 15 years later, I found myself paying 50% of everything I made in taxes. And getting very little from it, mm-hmm. um, we had a child, couldn't even write her off. All the, you know, it was, it was, I just, I just began to see that something was really wrong. And, the, and then two things happened. My parents passed away in 2010 and 2011. And that, you know, I watched them worry because, and I learned a whole lot of things going through this with them because when you take that money out of the 401k, it's taxed at full boat rate, mm-hmm. right? Your expenses don't go down when you retire, unless you want to downsize and live in a little teeny apartment someplace, mm-hmm. they don't go down. Um, 
you know, so all of the things, the system is set up for us to die broke. And, and that's about what happened. And, and so I watched that and I watched, it was heartbreaking, frankly. And, and so the next thing that happened was that I got a $65,000 1099 and all through my career, I had a 35 year career in advertising, very fortunate, made a home in New York City, all of that. And, but I got a, a, this 1099, you know, we get these 1099s and they say, ah, you've, and you think in your head you've made $10,000, right? Mm -hmm. In reality, you're paying capital gains on that $10,000, right? You didn't even take the money out. Right? And so when I got a $65,000 win, I'm like, okay, wait, hold the phone. This is crazy that I owed twenty five grand and I didn't take any money out. So those two things happened about the same time. Then I was given the opportunity then to invest. I, I had real estate. I had, I knew the benefits of real estate. I had invested in real estate a little bit, but it's a lot of work. You have to deal with tenant, all that. And I was given the opportunity to invest passively in a private real estate syndication, apartment complexes, these huge garden style apartment complexes that line every most American cities, except for New York. People in New York don't know what I'm talking about. And so I did that and it changed my life. So six years later, I began to move money out of the stock market and into what is called multifamily syndications. And I found out that this is what the wealthy do. We were buying these things from hedge funds. We were buying these things from big REITs, right? You know, when we invest in a REIT in the stock market, we're only investing in a mutual fund that owns the REIT. They get the tax benefits and all of that. So, so I, I, I learned all of this and then it, I entered this world of, that I didn't really know existed because you really have to have a $20 million net worth and an account in Goldman Sachs to, to do some of this and the wealthy do it all the time. So in a nutshell, that's my story. Love wow. that. Oh my gosh. This is going to be such a great episode. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so many different questions that are coming to me. Well, all come on, time. let's go. Um, okay. So you say that you have to have like this $20 million bank account to get into this, but it doesn't sound like you had that. So how'd you get in? Well, about half of the garden style apartments in America are owned by REITs and, uh, you know, private, private huge funds right? Goldman Sachs. So like if you buy a REIT on, you can go to TD Ameritrade today and buy a, buy a REIT. Investment and that's, in a, REIT, a real estate investment trust. Okay. Real estate investment. And what okay. that is, it's a mutual fund that instead of investing in Apple stock or whatever, they invest in real estate. So a good, great majority, of, uh, I would say at least 50% of the commercial real estate and multifamily real estate is considered commercial real estate. Okay. The commercial real estate in America are owned by these public REITs. And you'll know what I'm talking about now after you sign off here and you go to any brokerage account, you'll see what I'm talking about. They mm -hmm. have Vanguard, all of them. Mm -hmm. So those public REITs, we that people think that that's what I'm doing and it's not at all. Those public REITs are mutual funds that buy property, right? And so, 
so you know there are advantages, and we could talk for a lot of lot of ways about a, lot, a long time about that. But but in re, but in essence, you're buying a mutual fund, and you're most of the time the fund gets some tax breaks, but most of it doesn't pass through to you. About another 25% of the large garden style apartments in America are owned by big real estate investment companies. So Alex Rodriguez, Roger Staubach, um, uh, Warren Buffett just bought Abby Holiday Realtors in, in, a, in, in a Dallas. Dallas. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what people don't know Jared Kushner, Donald, all these private big companies, right? What people don't know is that when Warren Buffett says he's selling all of his zero, when Warren Buffett buys, he doesn't go on, and I don't know if this is for a fact, I don't know him, but he, I guarantee you, I'd be willing to bet the farm. He does not log into his E-Trade account and buy stocks, right? <laughs> so they're in a whole different league than I am. Mm -hmm. So that's the next 25%. And the next 25% are owned by entrepreneurs that have gone in and said, hey, I can do this. Mm -hmm. And there are many SEC regulations around that, but the big one is that you have to have a personal relationship with whoever's investing. Okay. So if you don't know someone, you can't play. And if you don't have, you know, most of the big funds, now you can go on and buy a REIT, but again, you're buying a mutual fund. Mm -hmm. You can invest, you know, whatever. But if you want to invest with any of the big guys, you're going to need like $200,000, $300,000 minimums. And, you know, be an accredited investor, which most of our Folks need to be an accredited investor, but we can take some sophisticated. There are some hurdles that the SEC puts in place and they put them in place for good reason, right? To keep people that aren't sophisticated <clears throat> from investing in these things, right? And, and to keep unscrupulous people, you know, and then the news media tells you about all the unscrupulous people, but they don't tell you about the hundreds of people that want to just share. This is really a bunch of people that all know each other getting together and buying an apartment complex. Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing. You can do it in a lot of different ways, but that's what my game changer was because you can invest in income producing real estate, have all the depreciation and all of the things that benefits with real estate yet you don't have to do any of the work. And when a REIT takes on average a 9%, what they call acquisition fee for doing all the work, right? Mm -hmm. A REIT does it. We're about three, the general partner side. When a REIT or a, or a public offering um, does uh, management fees, they do on the value of the asset, not how much money it's making. So in other words, the general partners, the way we set it up, don't get anything really until the everybody else gets theirs, right? Oh, gotcha. We split it 70-30 okay. you know, in favor of investors and all those things because we all know them, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they're all 
another, right? And so um, when, I, when my life changed, about six years after that, I moved money from the stock market and found myself making six figures that was tax deferred. Wow. And so I said, okay, this is crazy. And um, so I started keepmore.com. And along the way, people kept asking me, what are you doing? What are you doing? And they wanted to get into it. So I, it, it, you know, and you can read my book for the gory details, but that's really right. what happened. Why is it tax deferred? Well, because uh, when you buy real estate, the government incentivizes. So who, you know, one of the things I always ask people is that who, when I speak to audience, I say, who um, doesn't agree that we should follow the laws in America? And everybody, no, everybody agrees. Right. Well, so the law is written, the tax code in this country is written not to tell us necessarily how much tax we pay. It's written to incentivize us to do certain things and in return the government gives us tax breaks one of the big incentives that the government does is in within real estate so when you buy an investment property not your not your house mm -hmm. so your house actually is a liability and costs you money but that's another topic too that i get into <laughs> in the book um, when you, but I own a home too, so it's not a bad, none of this is a bad thing. See, we're not told lies, right? Mm -hmm. We're not told, like, it's just that we're not told the whole story mm -hmm. and it's made very complicated for us when it's not. So, so when we, when we invest in real estate, you can do things like depreciation. So when I'm a business and I buy a computer, there's a lifespan of that computer. Mm -hmm. And so as a business, I get to write off those costs because it's a cost of doing business. Well, when you invest in real estate, the, the IRS looks at it as a business. And so things like carpet and appliances and painting and all the okay, all that stuff, parking, all this stuff, you can depreciate it. Mm -hmm. So you get tax deductions from it. Mm -hmm. And those tax deductions can be applied against the income. So you're just deferring okay. taxes, but you can keep doing this and keep doing this and keep doing this. And that's what most real estate investors do. And they, you know, there, I read a book in the late 1990s by Robert Kiyosaki. And if you haven't read it, you should read it called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And he talks about, this and he talked a lot about single family homes. And so all of this is doable. It's not a, none of this is a secret. That's just it. I'm not doing anything that hundreds of people, thousands of people don't do. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about it. And then I was fortunate and I was in a relatively early AOL employee and stuff. And so I, 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 I started calling my friends when I became a partner, I helped it. You'll have to read the book, but, Mm -hmm. I, I, I began to uh, do this myself and I called my friends and I said, listen, you know, you should invest in this, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, Holly, I lost money in a real estate deal, you know, five years ago. Now I don't understand real estate. I understand the stock market. And that's when right. I really yeah. realized that we are programmed to mm -hmm. think that if it's too good to be true, it's too good to be true. But the thing <laughs> with a, like a Bernie Madoff, right? If you look at what he was doing, the stock market was returning X and he was making Y, right? I mean, he was making like 
double, triple what the market was returning. Well, this is what the returns were like with commercial real estate. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could introduce you to tons of them. Nobody's, it's what it is. But the problem is, is that they're owned by institutions that charge tons of fees and Wall Street is getting very, very wealthy. Um, you know, and we're getting our 10% or whatever. And, and we're, we're conditioned to believe that that's good. And you see, it's not, it's a retail good. And the other thing that happens is that if we have a million dollars in our 401k, we're conditioned to think that, oh, well, we're going to make $80,000 a year in our golden years, but that's not what's going to happen because the stock market goes up and down and up and down and up and down and up and down. And so as we've you, definitely seen this year. <laughs> correct. Right. So what are all these people doing? That it, I don't care how look at the market. It doesn't even matter what you're in. If you're in safe, conservative things, you know, it, instead of going down, you know, forty percent, it went down twenty. But anyway, you're still gonna. You once you the stock market, yeah. you have to sell the stock to get the income. Mm -hmm. With a cash flowing apartment complex or a cash flowing whatever, you get the profits are shared as we go along. And guess what? I mean, I have 12 active syndications going right now. I've done about 18 in my, and, and all of them are 90 or above percent paid. The numbers are looking great for May because ask, you know, we're very good landlords. Have they been affected by um, all of this that's going on with COVID-19 with people not paying rent and that type of thing? Well, that's or what I'm saying. They, it's, they're not, they're paying. And those paying. that aren't paying are waiting for, you know, government assistance. See, the other thing that I love about what we're doing is that we're making a difference in working Americans' lives. So we go mm -hmm. in and we, we make, give them a better place to live in a decent school district. So, so we're buying a different way. You can buy real estate for cash flow, or you can buy for appreciation and it's tough to buy both. So we're buying, um, we started out in Texas in Dallas and Houston because my partner and I and, and are from, you know, it's where I grew up. Right. And so we, uh, you know, we like Dallas a lot. I like mm -hmm. Houston a lot, you know, but we really like Dallas. And, you know, it's diverse employment, all that. Now, is it going to, it, we've seen tremendous amount of appreciation, but you see commercial real estate is, is priced not by comps. Comps are important as far as rents and stuff, but they're priced on net operating income. So this is the income after all of the expenses. So if you can go in and take over an apartment complex and run it more efficiently, uh, we know that in Dallas, uh, people will all day long pay $100 more a month for a covered parking spot because of hail, whatever. Mm -hmm. We know all day right. long that they'll, they'll pay $150 more a month for a fenced-in little area if they're on the first floor. So all of that, you know, if you've got a two, three, 400, 500 unit apartment complex, we can, we can make these enhancements and raise the rent slightly. Oh, wow. All that's, day long, they'll do that. Yeah. So that's what we do when we go in and, and significantly raise over a period of three to five, seven years, we raise the income, raise the value of the asset. So we don't depend on the marketplace. And even if the market tanks, we're still collecting rent. 
That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's great that yeah. y'all aren't having any issues with. Um, I didn't say we weren't people. having any issues. <laughs> saying that it's still cash flowing, knock on wood. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, it's about two relationships and, and mm -hmm. being a good landlord. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And so there are some issues where people are not getting their government things, but let's face it, they're getting more on unemployment than they did working. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. and these are working Americans. These are the nurses. These are the, these are the firemen. These are the cops. These are the, this is the kind of, um, working on a project right now in Charlotte, North Carolina. I like the Carolinas also. And, you know, it's right by Lowe's headquarters and it's right by NASCAR's headquarters. And there are all these business and then retirees. So it's probably 70%, 80% white collar workers and then retirees. I mean, so, right. you know, if you think about that, it, we try to try to buy in that demographic, which is why I did eight deals last year. This is the first one I'm doing this year. Wow. So you wow. see, I want conservative because this is what I live on. Mm -hmm. This is my retirement income. So I retired from advertising two years ago. Okay. And then I've entered this world and I know now all these other investments that aren't public. Mm -hmm. You can invest in a lot of different things from oil and gas, flowing oil and gas. Of course, that's a bad thing right now, but there are <laughs> tremendous tax benefits, right? So all of that's a little, you know, it depends what your risk tolerance is, but there are, mm -hmm. I still don't believe it's as risky as the stock market. <laughs> so my risk, I was just going to ask my risk money today, but you know, you never know. We could be, in this is considered, so this is considered a risk investment. Everything is a risk investment. And anyone that tells you otherwise is, is not right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anything. So if you, you know, with the stock market, you always pay retail. Mm -hmm. There really aren't any tax breaks about, yeah, you can pay a capital gains tax rate, which is good, mm -hmm. but you have mm -hmm. to sell that asset to make the money for the most part. Now you can buy right. dividend stocks, but it's teeny. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's hard to make a, it's hard to, it's hard to retire on a, an income. In the, and so I started learning about how the wealthy think about money. Mm -hmm. And you see at the end of the day, it is a mindset. It's not necessarily because the mindset we are wired to think that the stock market is the only way and mm -hmm. annuities and all of these commercial were bombarded by ads. We are hardwired to think of this. And so it is overcoming a mindset because mm -hmm. people don't believe it because and before we signed on, you were talking about, no, you know, tell me this podcast, people don't talk about money. Well, yeah. you're right. Mm -hmm. I mean, the most competent executives that have been super successful, that run huge companies, when you start talking to them about personal investment, they turn into these shriveling masses okay. of, of, of scarcity. Mm -hmm. I'm going to lose the, you get rich. I'm not going to get rich. You see yeah. the universe expands. It's mm -hmm. the law. We're mm -hmm. going to get through right. everything. And, it, and guess what? It's going to crash again too. Yes. Because that's what <laughs> happens. When I go back to, I say in the book, I talk about my hometown of Houston and I go back there now and there used to be a loop 
around. There's yes. one loop. Now there's mm-hmm. three. You know, I don't even know where these places go. <laughs> it's a universal law, and everyone can say that pretty much. If they grew up in a, in a pretty decent-sized city, everyone can say that. Mm-hmm. You know, they go back 20, 30 years, and it grew. How did that happen? It's a universal law. Okay, so in episode six, we have um, Rashana Scott on when we talked a lot about real estate investing. She's out of uh, Chicago, I think, mm-hmm. right? And um, she teaches women, and her focus is on women. I mean, she works with men too. Sure. But there's a lot of them that go in and they'll buy a fourplex and they'll live in one of the units and they'll, that's how they'll make their money. Is, but you're doing bigger apartment complexes or do you do that size okay we also have a fourplex in new york city it's called house hacking you live Mm -hmm. in one unit and you rent out the other three and that's a great way to it's a great thing right beautiful thing and so all of the benefits that she talked about Mm -hmm. you can get it passively by doing this Okay. okay um so the one in new york you're not are you living in one of those or no, you're not. Do. House- I mean, it's never moved. We, it's a four family house in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. And the, the neighborhood grew up around us and it's worked out great. And we just oh, awesome. felt the need to move. Oh, that's and, um, so cool. Love I, that. You know, I bought a Manhattan apartment when I, when I got to New York or a couple of years later after I started making a little money and, <laughs> and, you know, you could do that back then. Now, mm-hmm. now see, do that's, you- People, now you still you know, have your uh, New York apartment? I too? had to sell it because it's a co-op, but I didn't sell it until my daughter was almost born 15 years ago, and I did did well on it. And I tell mm-hmm. friends in Texas, and they're like, oh, my God, 600 square feet, you know. <laughs> so these are markets, L.A., New York, San Francisco, mm-hmm. you know, these are markets where you, it's very difficult to buy for yeah. cash flow. But you can right. do it in a lot of other places. Mm-hmm. Okay. So when you invest in, um, in a proper or in, yeah, commercial real estate or, yep. um, I guess, what is it? Multifamily syndications. Correct. Um, do you become the landlord or do you hire a landlord for each? Right. So or? It's a lot of people that get together and buy an apartment complex Okay. and you have a general partner that usually has about 30% of the project. You're doing all the work and finding the deal and all that, all that. Mm-hmm. And then they manage it. They hire the management company. They do everything. And then you have silent partners, limited partners that invest. And okay. most of my, you know, most people invest 50 to a hundred or a couple hundred thousand sometimes, but it's really a smaller hurdle to get mm-hmm. in, you know? So, so I've been very, um, it's just made me so happy to like introduce this to people that I know and love. And they're mm-hmm. like, Oh my goodness, this is crazy. And, yeah. and yeah. even my friends that are CPAs are like, I never had the opportunity to do this because it's always been so, you know, but they understood it right yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> they've, they've called me and said, Holly, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's after this awesome. podcast, we'll be getting a lot of those questions. <laughs> so financial advisors, you see, that's, mm-hmm. I don't want to slam financial advisors, but that's all they, they know too. You see, because they grew up, in, I, I went to business school. I didn't learn any of this. Mm-hmm. I learned about peony ratios, right? So they go, get out of college, they go into Merrill Lynch's training program or whatever. And so they're selling whatever 
their company wants them to sell. And it's not bad. They don't come to work. But they, they think every, it's so interesting. Every time someone tells me they want to ask their financial advisor, financial advisor is going to say, no, don't do it. Right. Yeah. But because they don't know about it. It's going to say, if you know the people and you feel comfortable with the business plan, because this is executing a business plan, mm-hmm. if, you know, this can be very good. Executing very the business plan. Yes. No, it is so interesting. Um, It was, it's definitely something that I'm fascinated by. Um, I have a couple of friends in Houston that uh, now own like five different properties and, you know, renting them out. And um, I've just been so inspired by them. And it's so interesting to me and it makes such sense because people always have to have a place to stay and a place to live. So it does seem like a pretty solid investment. This is, this is the thing. So I I do too. I mean, it's hard to scale single family homes. Now at the end of 20, 30 years, 10, whatever you own own the home. Right. But it's so interesting because I bought a couple of single family homes in Houston. And mm-hmm. I mean, I, I did the single family thing and I still do. I still have a couple of houses, but I, you, it's a lot of work and yeah. it's very little relative cash flow. And if you lose a tenant, you're out a month's rent at least. Mm-hmm. If you lose a tenant on a 400 unit apartment complex, it isn't that big of a thing. Yeah. So right. you can mitigate the risk with a lot of people and not do anything. And the older I get, it's the not doing anything that really makes me happy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> definitely. Well, that's, you're definitely. That's the whole Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just going to say you're, I mean, and you're looking in all the right markets. I mean, living in Dallas, like we've been here for three years and I mean, this area that we live in, we lived north, we're living north of Dallas. And, of course you, you know, are. Frisco, yeah. around yes. there, and, and yeah. the colony. We're like, we're in Aubrey, yeah. but it's technically like we're right next to Prosper and the colony yep. and all that. But um, I mean, it's blowing up out here. I mean, mm-hmm. when we moved in, there wasn't even a Kroger next to us. And now there's like a whole shopping center. And I mean, you wonder like where all, yeah, how you can even get into this kind of area, a field, because I mean, property out here is is much more affordable than you know california would be you can't you know you can't just buy like (laughs) those properties have been there for so long but at least like out here there's so much land to kind of go around that sure it seems you know like that's the kind of the right market sure and and for a single family home you're not going to get the appreciation that you get up here Mm -hmm. i mean forget it yeah or in la i mean you you know what kind of san francisco you know what kind of money that the, the appreciation has happened. I mean, appreciation happens, but we don't depend on the market. That is the key yeah. to we're dependent upon the market and we don't depend. People say, Oh, well, I like control. Well, I don't have control, but you don't have control when you buy a stock either. And mm-hmm. so this is about mitigating risk and understanding what can go wrong. And you see the reason why we're um, this COVID hasn't killed us right, is because we've planned for it. Mm-hmm. So if it's 96% occupied, we, we plan, it's got to go down to about 70 before we can't pay the bills, you see. Yeah. See, so we've, we've 
we've planned for this if you and we don't have that much leverage so we go in at 30 percent you know we've got a long-term loan so we don't have to get out at the wrong time it's when you go in ground up construction it's when you go in and with this little money down and bridge loans and stuff if if, if the market drops 10 percent 20 percent it you know with us it's they're still going to pay the rent as a matter of fact they need now more than ever because like COVID, what's happened now is the banks have tightened their lending requirements for single family homes. And that's what happened in 2008. So what happened was people lost their houses because that was a mortgage problem, right? But these people still need a place to live. Well, so where do they go? Apartments, mm-hmm. right? Right. Where do people go that, that, that don't, can't afford to buy a house? Because now like Chase just announced it's, uh, they're not doing any more of the 5% down or anything. It's a 20, no PMI, I guess. That's what I'm hearing is 20% down, that sort of thing. So a lot of people don't have that kind of cash and they need to rent. What is PMI? I should I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. Private mortgage insurance. So typically a lot of the lenders, you can get into a home four, five, 10% down. Yeah. Typically the down payment required to get into a single family home is 20%. So if you have less than that, you can buy private mortgage insurance. And what that does is it, it pays the difference, or I'm not even sure what it does. I don't know, but it's, it's mortgage insurance in case you, to make the lender feel better, right? Yeah. So the lender can be made whole, but that's what happened in 2008. And that's what, you know, honestly, I was, I go down to Texas a lot, obviously, because we have properties down there. And I was, not too long ago, I was in Dallas back when, back in the day when we could travel. It sounds, seems like forever ago. And, and <laughs> it's been a while. Driving and on the radio, it said, um, the affordable mortgage, right? Regions Bank or something, the affordable mortgage. And I'm like, here we go. <laughs> here we go. You can get down with no money down or 5% down and, bridge loans and all that. And so they put people in ahead. anyway. So that's a whole other topic too, but mm-hmm. um, people are, that's roulette. You see, you're, you're counting on the market going up mm-hmm. and definitely the market doesn't go up. Oops, you're in trouble. And that's what happens mm-hmm. with stocks. When you buy retail and you hope it goes up. Well, hope, mm-hmm. hope is just really not a really great strategy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So, <laughs> so I'm in the market. I'm in the stock market, but it's my, it's my money now that I don't need. Mm-hmm. Um, so are y'all going in and buying apartment complexes that are already built or are you building yeah. them from the ground up? Already no, built. already okay. built. Sometimes, so we buy, you- sometimes we buy them from the builders, mm-hmm. but you see, there's the other thing. And, and now it's, a, it's about relationships and getting a, reputation of doing what you're saying you're going to do and being able to raise the money. I mean, cause we're raising, I mean, I raise, you know, we all have to raise millions. It's a, it's a big, it's a big nut. We buy the, the bigger, right. the better though, because it's safer. Mm-hmm. If you can right. find one where the numbers work. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that Rosanna talked about making the numbers work, right? You got to make sure that she probably talked about all this. Yes. Roshana talked about, I mean, so many things. She went into so many different areas and numbers and making the numbers work and and knowing who you're working with and all of that. Correct. Correct. And, Mm -hmm. and it's the same thing only it's on stewards. And I'm amazed 
I'm completely amazed at the number of people that are in the single family homes that don't know this. Yeah. It's cra- it, because if you don't know, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of people that don't know about this. Right. And that's what hidden invest is. Why it is. It's hidden investment. Right. It's and perfect it's, name for your book. <laughs> and that's what, so, so that's kind of, that's what I'm, that's my mission is because it's been such a, a life changer for people I love and for, for me to, mm-hmm. to go in and, and really we're bypassing Wall Street. And, and, and I don't mean that Wall Street's bad, but I'll tell you that right. Wall Street people are investing with me. You know, they're yeah. investing in these things. I've introduced them. So, yeah, no, I can understand why. I it's mean, such a great thing. And so that's what Keep More is all about because we were, pay, we're paying t- all the taxes and it's only going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And, and especially when you're retired, I mean, it's crazy. It, my parents got killed. Every time they'd take money from that 401k, they'd get hit with taxes. Mm. Even after they had retired? Oh, yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. People don't yeah. know. That is going to be taxed. You may put it in and save tax now, but mm-hmm. when you withdraw that, that's taxed as regular income. That's not even right. taxed as capital yeah. gains. Unless yeah. you've got a Roth IRA. But the people that typically are, you know, you really have to be an accredited investor, which means you need to make around $200,000 a year or, you know, you need a net worth or whatever. You can look all that up, but, but, you know, that's another hurdle, but there are a lot of, a lot of us that don't, so, you know, it doesn't matter. We don't know about this. I didn't even know I was an accredited investor. I didn't even know what that was. <laughs> and, and so, and that's the whole that's the whole thing. I have good friends that are like, Holly, I, the annuity, I get 4%. Dun, 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 dun. This is my plan. I, you know, and it's a mindset. Mm-hmm. Holly, I, I want control. And, you know, we're going to do this thing in Midland and look at Midland. Now the oil thing, they can't get the right permits to rezone it as a blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the same, you know, it's, 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 it's how we're wired. Mm-hmm. How we're wired. Well, it's definitely uh, opened up things that I had never known about. So, <laughs> yeah. thank you. I think our audience is really going to appreciate well, learning. I appreciate about your this. audience. I mean, it's yeah. we don't talk about money, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it really is a tool. The wealthy think of money as a tool. They don't yes. think of it as a mean. They design their life first. Let's, um, before we came on, we talked a little bit about how we felt like there needed to be financial education. Let's Mm -hmm. talk about that a little bit. What are your thoughts on how that needs to be addressed in schools and how how we need to have financial Well, there are none. I mean, I'm involved with junior achievement, for instance, and (laughs) you know, that's what we try to do is to teach people about business and Mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. I, I mean, for whatever reason, there are there is no financial advising right now. Now I can remember when I was a kid, we we had a mock job, and I remember explaining like we had to to finance our pay for housing, pay for food, pay for this, and we ended up with no money left. And 
And that's, I remember that exercise. I don't, my daughter's a sophomore in high school and so far I don't think they've even done that exercise. So I don't. The really only thing I remember was in fourth grade, we had a, a fake um, checking account, and fake checks and, you know, and I thought that was so cool and I loved it. And I can remember wanting to open my checking account as soon as I could. So when I got a job at Cloth World at 14, I was so excited to open my checking account and balance it every month. And, oh, yeah. And now it's like, I don't even think most kids know what I checks can't be are. Overdrawn. I still have checks left. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, and now they don't even have checks. They just have a debit card. So yeah. It's it's, and they always make it easier to take it out and put it in. Right. Mm -hmm. Oh yes. Definitely. Oh yes. Yeah. The credit we've had. Yeah, so many of us are in a lot of trouble and, and it, I was reading something this morning about how COVID has taught us. I mean, a lot of people are saving tons of money because they're not going yes. out, you know, yeah. and, and, and it's like, is that going to, have we realized that we don't need all this stuff? I don't know. I know. It'll be interesting to see. It's going was, to be very interesting to see, but. Yeah. I was just thinking about that and I think I was speaking to a friend and, and I said, I'm, It'll be interesting to see if everybody, how long it takes before everybody goes back to normal or back to what it was pre, you know, how, how, if they really will like, I mean, I think it'll be a slow build. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, that before, because for one thing, it's going to be a slow build because it's okay. You can only have 25% capacity in restaurants. Okay. So and then it's, only 50% capacity in restaurants. So it's going to be a slow build in some areas because of that. But I think too, people, um, you know, some are rushing to get out because they're like, oh, I haven't been to a restaurant in so long and they want to. And some are like, you know what? I'm in no rush. I'm fine. So it'll, but I do, uh, you know, more than likely it will get back to how it was at some point. Well, I mean, if I've learned anything in this, I mean, I think it's obvious. I mean, some people will disagree though, because mm -hmm. they're getting lots of money from the government. Mm -hmm. But if you're depending on the government to take care of you, if you have a business or you're, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be a tough, a tough time. Um, and it's, who wants to do that? But, you know, on right. the other hand, the government is, is, is is uh certainly paying people um some people others not and it's the people that i'm talking to in this book that are not the ones that are <laughs> getting you know a lot of a lot they're of they're not help. getting the government help right um, Be, yeah. um and and so that's i think it's an very 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 grateful i have a very mm -hmm. nice life and it's 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 a good life um but you know, it's, uh, it's the wealthy that think about everything differently. And it truly is a mindset of abundance. Mm -hmm. And if you so look important. at the reason it will never work to give everyone money, it won't work. Because mm -hmm. if you look at it all the time, the lottery winners or whatever, and five years later, they're broke. Mm -hmm. And because it is a mindset on how to handle money, it's not there are tactics sure and 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 commercial real estate and multifamily syndication is, is one thing but it's it's really a mindset mm -hmm. above all 
And yes. that's what this book spends a lot of time on is the, is the mindset of how the wealthy think. Mm-hmm. And it's so important because until you move that mindset, it's really hard to, to, to get into this. Absolutely. That's come up on every episode, I believe, that yeah. we've had. Because if you have that scarcity mindset, then you're never going to have enough. It doesn't matter how much you make. And we think you've got to have that abundant mindset. Jeff Bezos is not taking anything from us. <laughs> right. You know, he's not. I it's don't know there him. for all of us. He might be a jerk. I don't know. He's not taking <laughs> it from me. As a matter of fact, no, he, really think about it. He's changed my life because it's pretty cool to be able to push a button and it ends up at your house two days later. I don't care what, you know, exactly. so that's, that's what we, you know, we get, we get paid by making a difference and it, it's the attitude and it's the motivation and it's the why, because mm-hmm. if you don't have that life, that's a whole bigger podcast, right? Yeah. Right. Oh, yes, exactly. Yeah, completely agree. Well, I feel like we could talk to you all day. We always are we just, just never wanting to end. Our- <laughs> I know that was, that was so. Never want to end our show. I know. It's exciting. But we should- I'm so glad. This is so neat. I'm so glad you all are doing this. Oh, um, well, thank you for yeah, coming on women. and sharing this. Mm-hmm. Yes. Really so taught. important for women. In most talks now, women are making more money than the men all the time. And, Thank goodness. We're finally, you know, beginning to turn things around and catch up and and educate ourselves. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that, I think that we're so open to it or open to learning and open to the knowledge. And that's what I think is money. This is the big thing. We readily give our life savings over to people that are good people, but they tell us they don't know what is going to happen. Think about that. Yeah. Think about this logically. It's not logical what happens. Why is the market going up and down and up and down and up and down? Why? Mm -hmm. Well, the reason is Wall Street's getting richer and richer and richer and richer. They're making money no matter what happens. You're paying for every transaction. And, you know, that's the way it goes. And they'll tell you that's the way it goes. But we don't know any better. We don't know any different. Really know what we're told and it isn't, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for all of this. I'm I, I am so excited to read your book. Um I'm very I mean I'm definitely nowhere near that income area, but once I get there, I would love to learn. I'm yeah, I'm just excited. It doesn't about matter. This. Anything is applicable, right? Yeah. I mean, because it'll yes. happen fast. Mm-hmm. That's true. Very true. Well, we like to wrap up every episode asking our guests two questions. Um, The first question is, what is your definition of success? You know, I have friends who have great kids and have gone on to finish college and not go crazy and have night. If I could just do half half that well. (laughs) So so part of this is all about my daughter. Right. right? And then then I think that if, if I can do things not be a, a jerk and and try to add some good to the world that's that's another thing and that and that at the end of the day being able to sleep at night that's success to me yeah that's a, that. that's perfect Simple and okay perfect. i love it yes 
And then we also ask, what are the three words that come to mind when you think about money? When I think about money, Mm -hmm. um, security, um, Mm -hmm. fun, (laughs) rather be rich than poor. (laughs) Um, I really would. I'm like Mark Cuban. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And, and I, and I think, um, I mean, good money's a good thing. Money's not a bad thing. Right. It's just, you have to put it in perspective. That's where the mindset comes in because those that think it's a bad thing, they're, it's like, why would you be trying to get something that's a bad thing? No, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. You have to think of it in a positive. So, exactly yeah. Right. That's exactly wow. Right. Well, this has been so great. We cannot wait till your book comes out. I know I'm going to be like nose in it, reading it, <laughs> every word of it, soaking well, I it up. That. I, I hope everybody, um, it helps people. Yes. Oh, I know it will. I'm so excited. Tell us a little bit more really quick about keepmore.com and, you know, what you guys offer there. Um, And then also tell us where we, where everyone can find you and a little bit more information about. You can find me at keepmore.com for sure. You can join my mailing list and get, get, um, you can find me at hiddeninvesting.com also. Okay. Um, I started keep more because that's really the power of this. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, our largest expense is typically taxes and it's the wealthy think about wealth. They don't think about income. Mm -hmm. See, the the idea is to, I don't know Donald Trump either, but I can, I I bet the farm, the reason he doesn't want to show his taxes probably doesn't make any money Um, on paper, right? Mm -hmm. Probably doesn't because now that I'm in this world, they're not making money. The people that are asked, telling you, just so you know, people that are talking about the, this, you know, tax on the highest income and all this stuff, it ain't going to happen because they're not making any income. <laughs> they're not making the kind of money that you think they are. It's not about the income. It's about building generational wealth. And so the wealthy invest in cash flowing assets and assets that appreciate and, um, and they make good decisions about companies and things, but they're most of them are buying, you know, in bulk. Right. Which is why the market's going up and down and up and down. Yes. Yes. Mm. Well, I'm I'm heading to keepmore.com and investing.com. <laughs> yes. Well, and I put you in some directions and there's some there's some um, things on my website you can read. I've got blogs and that sort of thing and Okay. And I write a lot for, for a Forbes real estate council and, and stuff. Oh. So, so you, you can, you can, you can find me. I'm, I'm around. So okay. I'll talk to you. All right. Great. You. That sounds amazing. I'm signing up for all the emails. <laughs> well, I certainly appreciate you uh, having me on. This was fun. Thank you Thank for you. coming on and telling us all the secrets of uh, <laughs> investing. <laughs> Okay, you all know the drill. Please go give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. And might as well hit that subscribe button while you're there. And let's keep the conversation going on Instagram. Share your favorite part from this week's show. And we'll see you next Money Monday. Bye. Bye.